Welcome to the show. In this one, I talk to Dan Coffey about his experience at King of the Hill. Coffey's experience and recollection of King of the Hill is unique in that he was just a teenager when he went. He was a senior in high school when he first competed in the event. He says it was surreal. He was up there in the Chugach Mountains, competing with and riding the same lines as many of the snowboarders he looked up to. So for him, the abundance of drugs and alcohol weren't as front and center as they were for others. Sure, he participated in the festivities, but he rarely overindulged. He was there to snowboard. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribed to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed at the Company Man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juno, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, Aquila Space, and Northern Knives. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Okay, back to Dan Coffey. Coffey says that there was a sense of camaraderie and community at King of the Hill. That it was such an undertaking, it took the whole town to do the event. So everybody had to be a part of it. But between alcohol, illicit substances and young bravado, there was a lot of room for error. A number of times in this conversation, he makes a point of mentioning that nobody was ever seriously injured, which I think could be a testament to skill and preparation, or it could be a testament to luck. In a separate conversation we had, when talking about the equalizing quality of the Chugach Mountains, Coffee told me, those mountains will bring the skiers and the snowboarders with the biggest egos down to earth. So here he is, Dan Coffey. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more, then you talk. Go to work! Jason Borgstead said, you hold the send it record all over Alyeska. I was, I was lucky to grow up there in Girdwood. I, I think, I think he spends much more time than I do there. Um, I mean, that could be true. I, I, uh, I, I look at the snowboarding that I see today and it's so much further from what I was doing. Right. I mean, it's, it's the, they're, the two really can't be comparable. You know what I mean? I mean, to me at least. Well, I mean, what you were doing back then had to exist in order for what is happening currently to exist. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I, I, that's, uh, I mean, that, that's some super nice, somebody for that to say that, that that's really cool. For me, it wasn't like uh, 
I had like something to prove. I, I think, you know, um, I grew up there uh, in that little town when it was snowing so much, so often, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think when you get snow like that, of course you could just, you know, you could go as fast as you want off of as big a jump as you could find. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 I guess that's kind of where my age and the amount of snow um, that was that, that was going on at the time, just uh, maybe maybe that's how that that uh, brought that conversation up. But, <laughs> I've heard stories about you dropping huge cliffs at the top of the Glacier Bowl at Alieska. Do you remember that? Um, well, I mean top of the glacier bowl there's not really any cliffs there's you know like a huge cornice up there i've, I've got some really good pictures from back in the 90s of, of a big avalanche there um that that I, I i took a bunch of pictures and put them all together but yeah there, there's a few jumps in there that you can hike up and traverse but jumping off of those no no we, we weren't we weren't jumping off of that stuff we weren't really allowed to you know we I mean, you couldn't even go down the North face when I was, uh, snowboarding there, you know, I mean, of course we did, but you weren't allowed to. And then, you know, I mean, you had the chance of, you know, losing your pass and there wasn't any other place to go. So you, you kind of had to stay within the rules or, or, or not get caught. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mind your P's and Q's. Cause that was the only, only game in town. Right. And, and I think snowboarding wasn't too accepted I mean, of course, it's 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 accepted now, but there was there was a lot of animosity between uh, people that snowboarded and people that skied. We, you know, it was basically all about ski racing. You know, and you if you went if you went to any resort in the nation, everybody's wanted to be a ski racer, right? That was the the norm. But when snowboarding came out, of course, it was it was. Uh, something that you know shoot we weren't even allowed to do it on the hill i want to say till like 90 91 92 something like that and even then you had to have a pass to ride right yeah they had a like a they had a uh what did they call it a lts a license to shred and so if you had, if you had like LTS, then, then you could go up there and they they would only let you do it on Wednesdays at first. There was other places though, that you could go, but it, you know, it was a pretty long drive. You know, I was, we could walk to the lift. So we weren't going to go um, to Arctic Valley. That was like, you know, hour and a half away, mm -hmm. but at Arctic Valley, you could go there and, and snowboard, which, which was, which was, you know, really cool. We, we would, we would go there, you know, we, we would go there. We would make the drive, but not every weekend. We'd do it like, you know, once a year. And then, of course, you had the problem of there wasn't a whole lot of snowboards at the time, you know? So you got like, you know, a year-old snowboard or a two-year-old snowboard. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, you, you had to keep your hands on I think I had more snowboards stolen from me than probably anybody alive at the time. <laughs> really? I, yeah, dude. I just kept... I just kept buying them, man. And they, they would just get, they, you know, they would just walk off. It seemed like didn't matter. It, you know, you'd get it for Christmas and, and, and three days later it'd be gone. You know, it's like, 
it was it was crazy how many boards that that got swiped yeah did you ever catch anybody who tried to steal or did steal one of your snowboards we got to the bottom of it but um we, we did get a couple of them back but yeah we got to the bottom of it what does that mean you got to the bottom of it well we found the boards okay you know we found them they were long ways away but uh, it, it all worked out. It all it all worked out. I, I think one of the boards showed up on the hill, you know. And since 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 we we were like walking distance to the, you know, lift. I mean, of course it was going to show up sometime, right? We're there every day, mm-hmm. right? It's it, I mean, you know, so eventually the boards the boards did show up again. Could you talk more about that animosity? between skiers and snowboarders back then? Oh, it was more like, it wasn't so much, you know, uh, all skiers. It was, it was more, it was more, I don't want to say all ski patrol either, but it was more of the, um, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I look back at it now that, now, now that I'm older, I, I look back, you know, and um, I could have, you know, could have always picked an easier route. Like you, I didn't have to, you know, be smoking a cigarette the whole time. You know, of course I don't smoke now, but I've quit for many, many years, but I didn't have to smoke a cigarette all the time, you know, and, and every person that I had around me didn't have to smell like weed. And, you know, that was a big, uh, you know, if you give somebody a reason that already doesn't like you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They're, they're just going to run with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, I think that was part of it. And then being, you know, uh, you know, 14, 15, I mean, I started snowboard when I was 13 and they didn't, they didn't let us on the hill. I think till the following, the following year, I think it was like 90, what was it? Yeah. 90, 90, 1990. They let us up there on just on one day a week on Wednesdays. And then 91, they, they, they uh they did the the license to shred thing they were worried about the boards coming off and you know running into people or 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 you know us running into people but i, I think mainly they were more worried about selling skis uh, i think that's really what it was all about in the end um but uh i mean i wish they would have more snowboarders in the events you know, but, but they're skier driven events still. And, and I, and I get that, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, the, that's, that's just kind of the way it was growing up there that the, the younger teenagers, cause we were teenagers at the time, of course I wasn't really, you know, maybe I had, maybe, maybe I had a little bit of an attitude towards authority at the time, but, uh, that, that didn't help the cause either, right? And then being the guy that you'd see there every single day, you know, it wasn't like, you know, these kids on the weekends type thing, you know? How would you describe your your relationship with authority back then? Uh, I don't know that, you know, some, 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 uh, some of the people I, I got along with, I think, uh, um, some of the ski patrol, there was, I could name ski patrol, um, that I got along with. I could name some that I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I mean, I don't need to name any names, but you know, 
there was some that were that I got along with and some that I didn't, you know, maybe they thought I was out of control. Maybe the other guys were like, Hey, these are just kids being kids. If I look back on it now, I kind of think maybe you don't want to put up with the, the guy always going too fast during a, you know, through a slow sign. Right. <laughs> I get that. Right? But, but when you're, when you're a teenager, you don't get that. You know what I mean? You know, you don't get that at all. You're, you're just like, you know, every, 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 uh, time down the hill, you, you know, you've got all that energy. You could do it all day long. Mm-hmm. I think that's a positive symptom of getting older is you, you recognize other people's perspectives. You know, when you're young, you are a little bit more closed minded and selfish. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect, uh, you know, today a, a, a kid on a snowboard that's 16 years old to not, if I'm stopped down at the, down at the, you know, in a run or something to not come by and spray me. Right. I know mm-hmm. that's coming. You, you know what yeah. I mean? And I know he's on the, he's on the lift laughing going, dude, you're standing there, man. You gave me the chance, you know, what the heck. But, uh, so I, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's just part of life. So I recently watched the TV broadcast of the 1996 King of the Hill. And there's this cliff you hit that is just massive, you know, compared to the other competitors, at least in that broadcast, the features you were hitting were just so much bigger and you ride like a stack of bricks, you know, just absorbing all of the bumps and chatter. Okay, f- fair enough. I, I mean, I, I remember. So I remember those events. They they were they were they were super fun. You know, I met people from all over the world. Um, you know, really uh, fun uh, events. I, I think the people in the community that I grew up in. You know, you had uh, Darren Mattingly, which was awesome uh, mm-hmm. snowboarder, and he was he was he was older than me and he had competed in those events uh when i wasn't able to because i wasn't old enough and so uh he was also a ski racer too and uh and i i, I did racing as well i like i like to do gates and i did uh uh amateur uh racing events um so i was i was in amateur racing contests and doing, and there were more like uh, ski racing, but it was on snowboards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, you know, kind of a feel for those type of events as far as, you know, those were a little bit unique events because they had, they had like a, a time day, you know, a whole day where, where you'd get two runs from, you know, no groomed, you know what I mean? You'd have to deal with uh, all kinds of, you know, choppy snow and, just, yeah. you know, different, different conditions down the mountain the you know, so I, I, I think, uh, I, I don't know, you know, there was a Jay Liska, you know, he was doing huge stuff too mm-hmm. back then. I mean, he really was, I think I remember one of the cliffs, uh, Jason Ray rockstar, he was just flying off these jumps and, and I think he, he bounced off the rocks one time. There, there was, you know, and you had Teal Copeland, Miles Burgett. There was, you know, those guys were, 
those were the guys that I was riding with, you know, and they were, they were doing huge stuff, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. even, you know, I got to ride and meet with, uh, 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 and meet, uh, that's where I met Steve Clausen there and he won it the, the first. So I went there in 93 and 94. I think the gnarliest run that we, that we watched though, was that, that rock star run or when Tex was falling and fell off a cliff, literally ragdolled off a cliff, but landed it. And then uh, Jay was doing some big stuff too. He really was. There was a, there's a sweet picture of him flying over a glacier. That was uh, just a great shot. I remember uh, seeing that, that shot. Oh, damn, that's sick. But uh, I, I, it's it's hard to compare. Like, I, so I watched the uh, the World Freeride Tour this year. Mm -hmm. I was I was with I was with a friend, and he he invited me up to his place. I was staying in L.A. at the time, and we watched it. And I think they they were on the Baby Beck in Switzerland. And the the level is just so high now. It's so hard to compare, you know, uh, of an event with the the new events you know what i mean it, they're, the kids are just ripping so hard right now i mean it's it's it, it's cool i appreciate the you know the uh the acknowledgement you know that you know i was i was doing doing stuff but the the kids now are just it's it's insane man you mentioned that rock star run could you describe that run well i was i was i was at the top because I hadn't come down yet. And I could see him going over the, the, uh, cause you could, you could, you could kind of see that from the top. Cause it was like, it was like a, a big, uh, a big ramp through the middle. The way, the way it looks in the, in the videos is a little different to, because of the angle, but there's like a big ramp down the middle. And in the middle, there's a, there was a, a, a big jump. So Jay had like the first run down and he hit that middle jump. It was, it was killer. And, and so you could hear his board hit. And then, uh, you know, of course he was all right, but we didn't know he was all right until he came out the, came out the bottom. So you could see him, you could see him fly off mm -hmm. and then you hear the rocks and then you just see him, you know, is he going to ride out? Is he going to ride out? And then he rode out. So, well, you know, I was like, damn, he's okay. But, uh, yeah, you, I, I don't remember anybody getting hurt during King of the Hill. I remember Richie Fowler doing backflips and th those were, those were, you know, my friends at the time. So those were guys that I was riding on the hill with all the time. Those are the guys that we'd see up on the, the ski hill all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So, it was, you know, we knew those guys were shredding, right? I mean, they were killing it. You know, it was before social media. So those guys had, you know, pro models and, and uh, you know, magazine ads. And, you know, they didn't have to pay for a helicopter to the top. I think, I think that was the main, <laughs> the, the, the main focus, right? So, you know, it, it was all about getting to the top, you know, now you could get to places with snow machines, but the, the places you can get to a snow machine now you needed, you know, you needed the guys to give you a lift up there 
you know, I mean, where the airplanes land, snow machines make it to, but back then snow machine couldn't make it up there. Mm -hmm. Something that I always think of when I think of these old school competitions, especially when they take place in somewhere like Thompson Pass is how out there, once you're dropped off, you know, deep in the Chugach, there's little to no chance for medical help. Yeah, you're kind of you're kind of on your own, you know. I, I I was really one one of the few competitors, other than like the guides and stuff, that had medical training. Mm. I I took I took that stuff when I was 18 and still a a, uh, a senior in high school. I was going to high school and college at the same time to to get that medical training. And uh, I was I was one of the youngest people in the class. Um, but th that was the reason for it, you know? So I had, you know, at least some type of, uh, you know, at I could help somebody or, you know, I could help myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and we did have avalanche training, you know, I, I think some guys took it more serious than others back then. You know, I, I always did kind of take that part serious, but I mean, there, that, that was, you know, it was a little bit of a, of a wild group of, uh, of guys, you know, because, you know, some, some would, you know, fuck party hard, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I was fairly young, you know, I was just out of high school in 96. And then the year I, I did the event when I was a senior in high school, um, because you had to be 18 to do the event. When you were 18 doing the event and in addition to that, you know, you're, you're taking these proactive measures like avalanche training. How do you think of your future in snowboarding? Uh, what back then? Yeah. Um, I, you know, everything was kind of just, you know, happening the way that it happened. You know, I mean, the year before I had met, uh, Rob Moreau and, um, he was, he was, uh, he gave me some boards to ride and, um, we were testing out boards. He would send me some boards uh, to ride. I didn't really see it really as a career. Um, I, I really just wanted to get to the top, right? What what, what could get me to, you know, because, you know, the, the, the helicopter rides were expensive. They're not as expensive as they are now. Um, I'll say that. But they they were still pretty pricey back then so you know if somebody took you up you know they wanted to like you know do video or take pictures for 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 magazines um or everybody i, I think that was a great way to ride too was you know have an event to get everybody up there and you know nick parada and doug brewer and those guys really just did uh it was super cool um, for those guys to, you know, spend all that time, right? That, that was all volunteer time mm -hmm. to put to put on an event like that. I want to say years, years later, when they weren't having the event, um, uh, Ryan McEwen put on a, a road shot like race, you know, it was like a Chinese downhill. Mm -hmm. And just to do that is difficult, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just, just to pull that off. So what they were doing before was just so over, you know, and above. But 
you know, I was just, I was really lucky, you know, to uh, grow up at a ski resort and uh, then be in Valdez at the time that the events were starting and going on. And, you know, I think, I think the, the snow was really what was happening. It was snowing so much at the time. It was, uh, it was multiple years of, you know, a thousand inches of, of snow at the ski resort, mm-hmm. you know, or 900 inches, 800 inches, you know, um, if you look back and, and see how much snow they would get, you know, um, we'd have snow well into April. And I think for a while there, um, Alaska was just not getting <laughs> as much snow as they, they were in, you know, the mid nineties, uh, early, you know, uh, late nineties. I wasn't able to make it to King of the Hill because I was so young. So my frame of reference for it is very peripheral, but as far as an event where kind of a group of snowboarders invade more or less an area, my understanding of that is probably similar to borderline snowboard camp at Girdwood or in Girdwood at Alieska. And I feel like the the residents of Girdwood, or at least a few, um, maybe more than a few, were always a little hesitant or not happy about that yearly invasion. Do you remember what people's perception of King of the Hill was? You know, the people that lived in Valdez. And so that was what was so awesome, you know. I remember, I think, everybody in Valdez, not one person. I mean, I don't remember. I, I mean, shoot, even even when I was a senior in high school, I had a fake ID. I could get into the bar. I could, you know, go order a drink. It, I mean, it was Valdez. It, it, yeah, you had, you had cops walking through the bar. You know, of course, we had kind of strict alcohol laws in Alaska. And, you know, some people would get in trouble, but, um, I want to say they were just very inviting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't remember one thing happening of, of, uh, of fights or, uh, you know, arguments or it was really, everybody just, you know, it, either they were too tired from snowboarding that day or, they were just so stoked on, on, on the snow and the conditions and the, the, the mountains up there. I mean, it's a special place in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it really is, you know, the mountains there are, you know, they're unreal and they're untouched. It's, it's a cool place, man. I mean, I mean, I've traveled a lot, a lot of places to, uh, you know, see a lot of, uh, mountains and, and, uh, you know, Valdez is a special place. I think they're the the snow machiners always got along with the snowboarders and skiers. Um, you know, I know for a fact Doug Brewer he was into the adrenaline of landing the planes, and you know, I mean Chet Simmons he was he was into you know flying the choppers. You know, th- those guys were in their element. That's what they liked to do. They they you know nobody was up there really. Um, not getting along or not having a good time. And 
it didn't really cause any problems in the town. I mean, even I remember a uh, motorhome with the guys from Japan. They slid off the road and like tipped the motorhome over, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, you know, I mean, the, look, the Japanese were having a great time too, partying and everything. And it wasn't that big a deal to kind of uh, get everybody together and push that thing back onto the road, right? I mean, you know, it, it was, it, it wasn't like, um, it was, it was just kind of a nice atmosphere. And there wasn't like the skiers against the snowboards. It wasn't, it wasn't that type of thing because, um, you know, you, you had, uh, you had, uh, Doug Coombs up there and, and Wesk, it was the end of Wesk, which was the, the skiing competition, which they did have snowboarding in it, um, in like 90, 91 or 92. I can't remember the exact years, but, uh, I think their last year was like 93. Um, but uh, sure, you had some guys that would come to the States with, the, you know, from the States up there that, you know, they had, you know, a big egos, but they were, they were ripping and they were, you know, they were having a good time and nobody was, I don't remember really anybody not, you know, like not getting along, like, you know, Hey, these guys can't be in the room together type thing. It, it was never, we never had that problem. And, and I think the town accepted the snowboarders, the skiers. I mean, people from around the world there came there every year and filled, you know, basically every room mm-hmm. with, with, with people that wanted to go, you know, up to the airport and, you know, have Doug Brewer fly him up to the glacier on his plane. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, it was, it was it was cool and you didn't have you know uh guides telling you you know where to go or the best way to go down or we should do this or how do you guys want to do it they didn't it was you know it was on your own there were less regulations yeah i mean you know it was it was it was on your own you know if you got out of the plane and you know I remember going up there with uh, my buddy Teal and he just strapped in as soon as he could. And he was like, you don't see it at the bottom. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, all right, bro, let's come on. Let's, let's, let's catch up with him. And, uh, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of uh, the way it was. Right. I mean, shit, there was one year where, uh, uh, Goodwill had fell into a crevasse up there and clawed his way out. You know, I mean, there was people that fell in that didn't get get out. You know, I mean, there was a, a needed uh, education, right? So, you know, don't go near, you know, you don't have to go near the, the, the glaciers or don't go right down the middle of them. You know what I mean? There was mm-hmm. just, uh, there was kind of a, a need for education back then, but still to this day, I was, uh, uh, John Toll. He's, he's a local Valdez skier there. Great guy. Uh, he was, he was out on a snow machine and got pictures of this, this guy. I don't know. I can't remember where he was from, but he was going down the middle of this glacier, just, just ripping down it. 
and uh, very dangerous run that he had. And, you know, some people go up there, they're, they're still, they're still, uh, you know, kind of clueless to what's, you know, safe and not safe. Right. Mm-hmm. So you said that Goodwill clawed his way out of a crevasse. He did. He did. He was snowboarding along, fell down there and dug his way out. And was he up there by himself? Well, well, I wasn't riding with him and we kind of would keep an eye on everybody, but he didn't, he went kind of away from his group or the group was in front of him and he was behind and they knew, you know, something was going on. Hey, we're waiting for him. What the fuck? You know? Mm -hmm. So then they, you know, of course they fly the plane over, have a look. You could see the tracks going right into it. I saw the tracks the same day we went back up there. We saw the tracks where he was like, yeah, that's where he fell in, man. Fuck. Did you look down into the, the hole that he fell in? Oh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about getting that close. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't going over there. That was, you know, kind of stay away from that area, man. Yeah. Not, you know, like, you know, that was, uh, that was not the spot. To your point about there never being any fights or animosity at the event, there was a lot of drugs and alcohol in certain groups, though. Well, sure, sure, yeah. I mean, if you consider, you know, pot, you know, if you smoke weed and drink beer and, you know, do shots of liquor, I mean, I don't really see that as being drugs, really. I talked to Richie Fowler on the first episode and Richie mentioned heroin that there was a number of people that were doing heroin at King of the Hill. Well, I mean, if there was, that's, that's one thing that was, that was kept away from, from me. I mean, being one of the youngest competitors, mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? I, 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 everybody did really super take care of me. Right. Um, you know, they, they made sure that, you know, the years before they would take me up, made sure I knew what run, where, you know, cause I knew tons of runs in, in Valdez, you know what I mean? They could drop me off at, you know, five, six, eight different peaks and I could make my way down. No problem, mm -hmm. you know, or glaciers for that matter. And I'd know how to get back to the road or where the LZ, the best place to pick up with the helicopter is or where the plane was going to land. You know what I mean? Cause I knew the runs I had done them so many times with those people, you know, I mean, Nick Parada, he, he showed me tons of runs of uh, Scott Liska. He showed me tons of runs. You know what I mean? Ryan McEwen, Tony Mann, those guys showed me tons of great runs. Donnie Mills, you know, mm -hmm. those are the guys that uh, we were all riding together because we were all up there together, you know? And so whoever was at the airport, they'd be like, hey, where should we go? Where, you know, so um, I, I don't remember, uh, I don't remember seeing hard drugs, not even cocaine, right? Um, you know, and, and it's, it's not something that's like taboo for the way that I grew up or, or, or anything like that. Um, it's just not, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's no reason that you would you would like omit it is your point. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no reason for me to, you know, say, you know, uh, otherwise if, if there was, I, you know, of course I'd say, I'm, I'm, 
you know, but I didn't see it. Mm. You know, but I was I was one of the younger competitors too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I was I was really one of the younger competitors, and I, um, I mean, of course, what I consider drugs and what other people consider drugs are, you know, t- probably two different things. You know, I don't consider mushrooms or LSD drugs. I don't really consider marijuana as a drug. I, I mean, you know, alcohol. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the, the 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 most dangerous one I, I list last, right? I mean, that's the one that everybody has the most amount of problems with, really. Uh, but um, as far as like heroin or or cocaine, I didn't I didn't see a lot of that. Um, although uh, I I knew it was there, you know. I mean. Uh, and I, I, I knew some of the people that were using the, you know, the cocaine. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't just out in the open of all the hotel rooms that I was hanging out at, but you know, I, I'm pretty blase to that shit. You know what I mean? I think you have a really interesting perspective of King of the Hill because you were so much younger than everybody else. What was it like to be 17 18 19 years old in that kind of atmosphere um well i i mean so growing up in the little town that i was from you know i mean uh, marijuana wasn't like a a a big deal you know what i mean i mean Mm -hmm. the the town that i'm from you know people called it gird weed and uh (laughs) it, it wasn't it wasn't like Oh my God, this guy's got weed on him. It was, you know, it was not a big deal. Um, as far as like, uh, you know, um, harder, I, I guess what people would consider harder drugs, like like uh, cocaine or heroin or um, methamphetamine. You know, in in the nineties, you you couldn't get methamphetamine. I never even saw it um, until I went to the states or even heard about it because it just wasn't around. You know, it, it wasn't around. Ecstasy wasn't a thing um, in anywhere that I had been yet. And I, you know, I mean, so those those type of hard drugs just just weren't around. Of course, cocaine was. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't consider it to be that big of a deal. So when our back and forth on Instagram, I asked if you had anything you'd like to talk about and you said that you don't like to talk about people dying but you did mention two incidents one was bill kozlowski and andy brewer's friend who fell into a crevasse while he was snow machining yeah so so the, you know those guys had been up there they they were they were, they were in their 20s and they would go up there and they would camp they would snow machine they were all snowboarders from um, Anchorage, but they had cabins in Girdwood and, and, and they were some of the first snowboarders, uh, up on the hill every Wednesday, those guys would be up there. Right. That's how I got to know them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it wasn't bill. It's bell. Okay. Cause his, his, I, I won't, I, everybody just calls him bell. I won't say his, his full name, but, um, anyway, Kozlowski, really super nice guy. Um, great, great guy, uh, excellent snowboarder. Those guys were, those guys were all ripping on, uh, you know, old Sims, Terry Kidwell's, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they were, 
you know, those were, those guys were the best boarders around. I mean, that's, you know, hands down, those guys were, those guys were the, the, you know, the older crew, if you were in high school that, you know, that, but, you know, they were in their twenties. Um, and yeah, the, so one of, one of their, one of their friends, I, I, I had met him before, but I didn't know him uh, real well. And he was, you know, like I said, he was probably uh, six, eight years older than me at the time. Um, and so that, that, that hit pretty hard, you know? Yeah. And that, uh, I mean, I look back, uh, now and, uh, I, you know, the helicopter crashes that happen now, the, 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 the plane crashes that's happened over the course of my, my, uh, my life, all the, you know, friends that I've lost doing the sport. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's kind of tough. I, I want to say I was watching the, uh, the contest in Switzerland on the Lebec de Ross. And I was thinking, man, why didn't they start from the top? It's so filled in. It's, you know, they're going to have the great snow conditions and everything. And, uh, I think, I, and I was thinking, well, you don't want to portray, you know, people jumping off these cliffs, jumping off these mountains to, you know, kids that, uh, you know, have no fear of, you know, of, 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 of dying. Right. You don't want to make that cool. Right. And, and, but, you know, so you put it on the smaller mountain right next to it, um, which makes sense. But I think that's the, that's the argument, right? Like, I think, I think Nick Parada said it best. And he says it all the time when he started the contest, they've, they've done tons of interviews about him. I, I, and I, I think he says it best. He, he wants to bring, you know, and he, he says it so many times, bring these, these snowboarders, these kids to the edge of death without killing them. Right. And that's like really hard to do in fucking the Alps or, you know, uh, Alaska range or what, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, so like, you know, where does the sport go from there? Right. You, you don't want to show like, okay, I can jump this cliff and then jump another cliff and then make turns out. And if I fall, I die. Right. That's not cool. I mean, <laughs> but, and that was, that was like never a thing uh, uh, at the contest or going to try to do that. I mean, it, it, I think it was more about, you know, just like snow conditions and, and uh, you know, sure, jump cliffs, but it's got to be the right conditions, the right steepness. I mean, things were calculated at the time, right? I mean, you know, you're not just throwing yourself into, you know, nothing and you know hoping to land i mean if you look back at some of those videos that's kind of you know what 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 it what it might look like but at the time you know i mean you got guys like antonin lutegi which is you know he's like a calculated dude man he's you know i mean and he's still into the sport of course he's on skis now i ran into him in france about five years ago and he helps with uh, the uh, the uh, free ride tour, but you know, most of the people that that are working on that tour um, were in Valdez at the time. That um, Nick Parada and and Doug Brewer and those guys were doing the the Valdez tour or the King of the Hill. 
mm-hmm. which it was kind of a stop, you know, on the tour. Cause I was doing other events, uh, around the world, but the, the specific one that you're talking about was like when I first started. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, you know, there was, there was, you know, cocaine around, but I think, um, it wasn't crazy, crazy to me, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think even, even now in, in my, my mid, mid forties, uh, or just getting into my mid forties, um, uh, I'm not like shocked by drug use or, I, I mean, I have to take uh, UAs for my job, so I'm not out partying or doing heavy drugs. But I don't, I wouldn't judge somebody or look down on them if they were doing a couple lines on the weekends. I mean, that's their time, man, right? I mean, hey, they can do what they want. That's just how I feel about drugs. I think personally, I think all drugs should be legal, but that's just how. That's just my thoughts on it, and I've I've always kind I've always kind of felt that way. I like that. I feel like that could be the name of a book. Couple lines on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, to, to me, it wasn't a big thing when I was younger. It's still not a big thing now. It's not really, you know what I mean. Um, I, I want to say, um, yeah, I don't think that was kind of before the oxycotton craze. That was kind of before like meth took over the world. I mean, I, I grew up at a time that was really cool, you know, cause you know, there wasn't heroin and meth at, at high school, right? It just was, it, it wasn't there, man. If you, if, even if you wanted to get that type of stuff, you, you couldn't get it. It wasn't, it wasn't available. Did that incident, the one involving Bell and Andy's friend falling into a crevasse, did that happen at King of the Hill? Uh, well, they they weren't a competitor, but yeah, it happened uh, during the time that the event was either just over or or during or just before it. I think it was I think it was after the event was over, but you know the event took a long time to do because you'd have the weather would come in, so you get like one day, and you know it's a three day event. It's not just one run it's a three day event with two runs each day. I mean, and you know, we're, we have like what 30 competitors, 25 competitors, something like that, 25 to 30. Um, so you had to get, you know, 25 to 30 people up to the top and then get them two runs. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, it was a, quite a feat that they pulled off, man. Cause it, it, I haven't seen many events in the world that are able to pull off that type of that many runs right for that many competitors Mm -hmm. over the course of you know a week to two weeks well especially in a place like alaska where the weather is so inclement oh yeah totally because what we'd be we'd be waiting for snow and it would come you know i mean you know i remember the conditions just being uh just deep on a few of those, a few of those events were just, the snow was just so killer. What did down days look like at King of the Hill? Well, I, I want to say 
Um, most most of the competitors stayed over at the Totem uh, Inn, so it was like it's like a, a motel, you know, drive up in front of your room type thing. Mm-hmm. So you could walk to like to like every room, and then there was another hotel off to the side. I forget the name of that one. I think it was part of the Totem, and that's where like people that were staying there for you know many many days, you know, so you'd have like I remember going into the the guys from Switzerland's uh, place that they had rented out. There's like four of them there. Some of them were skiers. Some of them were boarders. And I want to say there wasn't a whole lot of animosity towards skiers and boarders at the helipad or at the airport. It just it it wasn't that way. I think that was more of a resort thing, right? That was that was kind of like a resort thing. But um, I think for Alieska having I I went I, I I snowboarded there, probably. Was it last year, year before last? I I I've been going there. It's still pretty much a, a a skier resort, right? Because there's there's few snowboarders there. Most of the people there ski, and uh, I, I I still get the vibe that they they're they're skier only. Like they could take snowboarding or leave it. Yeah, like like they're not really, you know, it's like you ski or you don't, right? If you're on a snowboard, they're they're just, you know, they're not that talkative on the chairlift. And I've been there, I've seen it. And the other incident that you mentioned involved a helicopter crash where the engine died. Oh yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. That, that was Scott Liston was in the chopper. I, I think he was with. Uh, I can't remember who else he was with. I know it was Scott. <clears throat> I think it was Peter Clark. Was it Peter Clark? No, it was Scott and uh, uh, Jake. I think Jake was in it too. And it, it it was like, it took off, it went up, it went up and it moved from the helipad. And then it just all of a sudden died and just dropped straight like a rock. And then it, there it was sunk in the snow. It's it's skis were like deep into the snow, like you they had to like push the snow. The the the, the snow was like holding the door shut, right? Mm. And I, I didn't see it happen. Um, I I, uh, I and I think that was the same year. Uh, Pete Iverson's dad had a chopper that was like straight out of uh, mash. It looked like the mash chopper. The ones with the bubble on the front. Yeah, it was, and it was, he built it. It was this homemade bubble chopper, dude. It huh. was so cool. And it, I got to ride in that thing. I took like two, three rides in it. And then the next day we were like, dude, we should ride that thing. So I took a ride in it and then I snowboarded down and, and I was waiting in line. Some other guys went up. Then it, it went down and uh, everybody was okay. And he took the seat out and slid down the mountain on the seat to get back. And then you know, of course, they pulled it out of there with a uh, another chopper or whatever. But um, that was the the death of the bubble chopper. That thing was cool. It was a trip to ride in too, because you could only fit like two people. And he sat in the middle, and one person sat on each side. And it was just this little tiny thing. It was so fun. How high do you think the helicopter was in the air before? It dropped. 
Oh, geez, I don't know. Enough to like bury it down into some pretty kind of, you know, hard, kind of hard, soft snow, right? Some like styrofoam hardness snow, you know? You'd, you'd have to ask Scott at that one because it sat there for a while, you know? Because when we got back, we were like, dude, what's happened to that chopper? What the fuck? And they're like, oh, yeah, Scott was in it. Man. it fucking, fucking sunk into the snow right there because it died. I was like, oh, fuck. Do you remember how those events affected everyone at King of the Hill? Oh, I I don't know. I, I mean, maybe they affected some people. To, th- those events, I mean, to be honest with you, that didn't really... I was at a time in my life where I was fucking nothing could kill me, dude. I was fucking, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was fucking 18, 19 years old. Of course, you're, you're not afraid of anything then, right? You don't even yeah. have a, you don't even, you, you don't even, that's like, oh yeah, chopper went down, whatever. Uh, that doesn't scare you from getting into another one. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's just at that age, right? Where, doesn't really uh, doesn't really affect much of any thoughts on what's going on. I mean, not what was it? It was was it after or before uh, Richie and Jay Liska and and uh, Peter Clark? They all got into a helicopter crash with Chet with Chet Simmons and Chet, Chet was a fender, the friend of the family. My, my, one of my dad's best friends is, is uh, Chet's married to his sister. Hmm. So, you know, he's, he's a friend of the family. So when, when, uh, when he, he lost part of his leg in that uh, chopper crash to where he couldn't fly anymore. So, I mean, I grew up in an aviation family. So those things kind of, kind of happen up there, I guess. I, I mean, that's just kind of, it didn't really, I don't think it affected much of uh, anything with the competitors. I, I mean, if, if it did, you know, none of them, you know, really said anything. They were mostly, you know, I mean, it was a party, you know. I mean, you know, we were celebrating from great snow and killer conditions and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, we were doing lots of practice runs and I mean it's not it wasn't super duper expensive I mean I remember it being like 40 bucks you know to go up on a chopper you know mm-hmm. then it, there was people making uh, like like 10 runs in a day you know what I mean so I mean that was the thing with with uh with Richie he was he was making tons and tons of runs but uh yeah there was uh, knowingly, you know, uh, uh, there was there was part of getting the money to get the runs was, you know, probably, uh, you know, some of that money feeding the party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that kind of goes without saying, right? What do you think King of the Hill meant to the snowboard scene back then? You know, I, I I don't I don't really know. I, I I mean, I didn't know really back then. I didn't know you know how huge it was. I mean, I know who 
you know, Sean Farmer was, and I knew who Matt Goodwell was. Those guys were shredding, dude. And they were some of the nicest guys. I mean, I'm still friends with them today. Uh, Goodwell goes and visits uh, my uh, my parents' place in Washington just, uh, you know, regularly, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, the, the, and those are people that we've known for, you know, since they came to uh, Valdez in, you know, the 90s. So, um, what it did for snowboarding. I do think a hundred percent when the, the, the people that, that are putting on the extreme events now, um, those, those people were in Valdez and they, they wanted to put on an event like that in Verbier on the Lebec de Ross and when it was just starting to get some momentum for King of the Hill to third year in a row, that's when other events around the world started popping up, right? Mm -hmm. So that's when South America at uh, Valle de los Leños, they they had an extreme event. Um, Tony Harrington Haro, he put on an event in New Zealand and then, of course, there was the event in Verbier. And so extreme snowboarding was trying to, you know, kind of get some traction. But I think as good as the, the competitors can be, it, it, it always comes down to caught up between, you know, what Nick's vision was, Nick Parada's vision, you know, of taking these kids to the edge of death without killing them. And that's like that, you know, it's great to have a downhill day, you know, freestyle day. That's awesome. But then when you start getting into the extreme thing, it's like, you know, how many cliffs do you need to jump to, you know, to be in a position to where if you fall, you're going to seriously get hurt or die. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the, that's the, uh, like, you know, what's there to prove? You know what I mean? I, I don't have anything to prove on a snowboard now. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing the, the deepest, easy, you know, nicest way down. Right. I mean, you know, I just want to make turns and have a, have a good time. And maybe that's more of avalanche danger than, than some of the steeper stuff, but I still like steeps, you know? Um, but I think that's the, that's the, uh, um, that's, that's kind of the argument. Like, yeah, that's killer. You want to, you know, make that, you know, to be what snowboarding is, you know. I don't know if that's what it did for snowboarding. I think when people think of snowboarding, they think of of a, of a half pipe, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that, that the, you know, most people think of a half pipe or, or, or set up jumps where people do these amazing tricks, right? Um, and it's highly highly skilled that stuff is amazing mm-hmm. um it's just it's not it's not what we had to offer growing up in alaska right we didn't have a pipe dragon we didn't have we had we had mountains and tons of snow so you just ride down them, right that's that was kind of the thing i mean you know you had to get to the top some way so you know Somebody's telling you, yeah, I'll get you to the top, but I want a picture of it jumping off a cliff. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. You know, that if 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 I look back on it now, I kind of see 
that's how I see it. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get, I wanted to get to the top and that was the cost of the ride. Right. And if I was able to get some sweet turns in there, then that was great. You know, I, I mean, I really do think that now. Do you remember what the perception of handrails and half pipes was back then to the people at King of the Hill? Um, well, it, it wasn't looked down on. I mean, we were just, we were doing, you know, I, I want to say that King of the Hill, I don't know if all the competitors were so competitive, mm. right? I mean, some were, some were competitive and they, you know, they, they wanted to win, but like when Matt Goodwell won, I don't think, I think he was just riding, man. I don't think he was, I, I mean, honestly, I don't think he was like, you know, technically trying to pick a line that's going to win him uh, a, a win. I, I think, honestly, I think he was just riding. And, and I awesome. think I could say the same thing for Jay. And when you see him come down the mountain, I think it looks that way. I think you can tell, right? Um, I think that that's kind of just the way that I see it, right? And you can tell somebody else coming down that's, you know, super technical, trying to, you know, score the most amount of points in the way of the judges criteria, you know, and, and I think the Euro style riding after knowing him for so long, um, I, I want to say he was just riding down the mountain too. That's just his personality, right? Mm -hmm. After knowing, after knowing Anton and Lutegi for so long, he, he came and stayed at my house and, in Girdwood and a lot, a lot of the competitors would stay at the house. Um, after Valdez, we would go to Girdwood or b before even, or, and then at the summer camps too. Um, but, uh, I think he, he, that was literally his, his style, right? He had that, 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 uh, Jerome Ruby style, if you know who Jerome Ruby is, but, uh, um, he had that, that extreme style of, of, uh, european style and and you could see it you could tell right away right just yeah. by just by the way he came down the mountain so i think he was just coming down the mountain too and i think for a lot of guys that's that's the way it was you know i mean i know richie he he was just coming down the mountain shoot one of his whole runs he did you know uh switch so i mean and that was back when nobody was riding switch mm -hmm. you know he did the whole freaking mountain, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, it was, you know, so there was, there was that kind of stuff going on too, where it was just like, you know. I talked to Steve Clausen and Julie Zell on the last episode about King of the Hill. And Steve said something that I thought was super interesting. And that was that the judges have no idea how stressful or gnarly you think your own run is. They only see what they see. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. I, I, I never uh, considered a judge's perspective until I judged an event and, and then it kind of, kind of dawned on me, but uh, I was never like, you know, this run means, you know, the, the, the however, how I did in the event, 
I went to every event the same, right? Which was if I was in the top 10, I was super happy. And if I could get into the top five, that would be really, really great. And if I was in the top three, then I accomplished more than what I thought I, or, or more than what I expected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not because I didn't think I was good enough or couldn't compete with the people that I was competing against. I, I knew I could, um, even being super young. And I knew there was other younger competitors too. When Gilles Varel came to Valdez, man, the the Swiss, the best Swiss rider, man. I mean, amazing guy. When he came there, he was young too, man. Mm-hmm. He was he was he was my age, and he was a great guy, man. Just a, a unbelievable guy, uh, and a, a, a awesome awesome rider. One of the best riders from from Switzerland and from Verbier. So. You know, I was, I was, I look back, I was, you know, very, very, very lucky to grow up um, at a ski resort and, and get to go to some of the places that I got to go to only because I lived walking distance to a ski hill and it snowed a shitload. You know, I mean, you could live next to a ski hill and if it doesn't fucking snow, you could, you're not going to be good at it, right? <laughs> yeah. But it snowed a fucking shitload. And, uh, yeah, man, I was just a kid that had to split firewood and had to shovel fucking snow. And then when I was done doing that, I could, you know, run up to the ski hill and, and, uh, you know, I grew up skiing and then I started snowboarding. I was just, I'm just super lucky, man. And I feel super lucky still. What did your parents think about you going to an event like King of the Hill at such a young age? You know, my parents weren't, um, skiers, right? So my dad wasn't on the ski hill that much. I mean, he would go up there when I was a teenager and um, he would go on skis, but he wasn't, you know, like a, he didn't grow up uh, ski racing. He didn't have a ski background. Um, he wasn't, you know, a ski coach. He didn't, he didn't work at the ski resort. So, it, you know, at best he was a, a ski weekend warrior right at best right I, I think the only only time he was going to go up to the mountain he was mostly at the ski lodge anyway and if he had to go up on skis up a lift he would be like you know halfway uh in the middle of a race course when i was racing you know with a, a vhs camera right mm-hmm. that, you know what i mean like you know every dad would do but he wasn't you know into you know, oh, it's snowing out, dude. We're gonna go ride. You know, fresh snow. It wasn't. He wasn't that type of skier, right? He was, you know, and he wasn't, you know, like your typical skier dad. That you know, of course, he's cheering me on, right? I mean, yeah. Um, so, uh, my mom's dad um, owned a helicopter company in Alaska. So, hell, uh, getting in a helicopter or an airplane because my, my, my mom's grandfather owned a flying service. So that wasn't like scary or anything out of the ordinary. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my grandpa showing up at the house, uh, he would land at the park strip downtown Anchorage with his helicopter and we'd walk over there, you know, and yeah, you want to go for a helicopter ride. Oh, okay. And so it wasn't, you know, of having a helicopter around or a float plane around or something like that wasn't something out of the ordinary, right? And okay, you're going up to the mountain. 
you know, that's great. I hope it's awesome, dude. Fucking everybody's saying it's so awesome. Fuck. Yeah. This is this is cool, right? And um, uh, my dad, he wasn't like, I think, you know, he got along with a lot of. Uh, I mean, he was friends with Richie Fowler. He knew Jay. He knew, you know, he's still friends with Matt Goodwell. You know what I mean? He shit. They called me up the other day. Hey, coffee, Matt's over at the house, man. Can we break into your bottle of whiskey? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. That's Matt, great. Matt's like, Matt's like, I didn't even know Crown Royal made an XR. Shit, we drank the whole fucking thing. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, all right, that's cool, you know. And I think that's like, you know, by the time I was 18, um, uh, partying or being around parties or you know, partying, you know, with my dad or or being around, uh, you know, anything. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal, you know what I mean. And and I had I I had uh, I I had been around these type of situations before, so it wasn't like you know this is my first time in this type of settings, right? I was just you know everybody's like, dude, this is a kid over there, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like you know going into farm's room, you know, and you know all the girls in there are fucking topless in their fucking underwear and be like, yo, what's up, farm? <laughs> what's up coffee fuck it was you know i'm so it it's it wasn't like uh i wasn't one of those teenagers where you know i couldn't oh my dad's here i can't be myself mm-hmm. you know i i never i never really had that phase right i i was just like you know my dad was just like you know one of the one of the bros but but he's still my dad mm-hmm so that's the relationship that we had. So I think that made it a little different um, as well. Well, it sounds like your parents trusted you and also the people that you were around up at King of the Hill. Oh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I think I think that was the, kind of their, their best way to take care of me is to know that, hey, dude, his fucking family's around here dude you can't mm-hmm. you know what do you you know what i mean you let the dude get that fucked up man fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you know what i mean you can only you're only allowed to pass the whiskey bottle over to me so many times you know what i mean otherwise you know you're gonna have to hear shit from my dad obviously right i mean that i i think that's probably a part of it yeah uh, and now that it, now, I, now i see it that way back then i didn't know what was going on behind the behind the scenes you know what i mean mm-hmm. but there you know there wasn't a whole lot of things that were you know nothing was really kept from me I, I i i'll be honest with you i didn't see anybody shooting any needles um but there was some some tin cans around with ashes in them you know i mean yeah you know i mean everybody knows what that smells like when somebody's you know in the bathroom for fucking three hours what the fuck you know <laughs> Yeah. So now that we've talked about so many aspects of the competition, including the riding, the partying, and a few tragic and near tragic events, looking back now at 44 years old, how do you reflect on King of the Hill? Um, I think, I think, uh, of course it was a lot of, a lot of room for, for error there, right? I mean, you had 
a young pilot, right? And you had uh, experience, though, very experienced. But yet they were still, I mean, Doug Brewer, he was pretty young back then. He wasn't, he was, I wouldn't consider him old, you know? Uh, he was an adult and he was old enough. And, but, but you know, there was a lot of room for error there, you know? And even my uncle uh, have crashed an airplane on a glacier. So um, I know that it, you know, it, it takes some skill, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's not like, you know, it's just a walk in the park, man. You have to be skilled. And I think for no major accidents to happen, especially with um, the fearless of some of the competitors. I mean, you had Jason Ray. He was fucking hucking himself off of stuff. Um, you had, I mean, there was fucking Dan Hunt was a gnarly dude too, man. But you had Miles Burgett. You had, and I, I mean, I know for a fact there was a handful of guys that would, you know, take an LSD at the bottom of the hill before the event, right? So, I mean, I knew that, right? I, I knew it. They were my friends, man. I, I mean, you know, I knew what was going on. And then to be up there, fucking, you know, taking fucking LSD in the eye and getting off a helicopter and hucking yourself off of, you know, fairly big cliffs. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of room for error there. I mean, somebody could have got fucked up, but nobody did. You know, nobody, nobody got hurt bad. I don't even remember anybody like, you know, that busted up of ankles or anything. I mean, that, well, there were some ankles that were swollen, but still, you know, I don't see it's probably not any different now. I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, if anything, those, 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 uh, the substances that, that put you in a mind frame to not make the right decision are easier to get now than they are then, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's probably, it, it might be more dangerous now, but, um, there was quite a lot of people up there at that airport um, skiing and snowboarding. I mean, you, you had some of the uh, ripping of skiers up there, uh, you know, some of, some of the best in the world. I mean, from all over the world, too. So, you know, and I, I'm sure they still flock there. I mean, especially after a winter like we've had this winter, it's, the you know, the conditions are just ripe for, you know, movies and contests and um I, so i i think i think it totally can be done again i don't know if these just having somebody tell the stories of what happened up there helps the insurance companies to make it happen again <laughs> i don't think it does them any good at all i really don't but um i think that for the most part the, the skill level, the people wanting to go to the the, the, the steeper terrain and stuff, will probably it, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But the equipment's a lot better, you know what I mean. Even the helicopters are better. Then you know maybe the pilots are better. You know I haven't uh, I haven't rode with with uh, with many, but I, I just recently took a uh, a firefighting class for. Uh, uh, helicopters for it's for my job but uh anyway 
yeah, to re- to to look back and reflect. I I don't know how much it did for for snowboarding. That's a good question. Uh, you know, nobody went with with the three different day event, and I think that's what made it special. Having that one race day was so cool, and then having a a, a run down. You know that that those runs in Valdez from the glacier that you know that just get wind blown and they 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 just kind of roll down and they have they have some steep areas in them they have you know there's mm-hmm. really no terrain like that anywhere there really isn't i mean i i've been to so many places and it's so hard to find that terrain that uh you know for a freestyle day it's it, it's hard terrain to find you know um with no trees um, with all those wind lips and, and uh, different angles. And it's a hard place to find uh, anything close to that, you know, mm-hmm. really. It's a unique place in the world. And you know what I mean? It's a very special place in the world. So to have a race day, a freestyle day, and a extreme day, that's a long event too, right? I mean, it's a long event. So, you know, I mean – my hat's off to, to, to the guys that are putting on events with, you know, you know, long runs with jumps in them and, and, uh, and then the events, the extreme events that they have now, but those are just one run, you know, we're talking, you know, we were doing multiple runs on, you know, I mean, Billy Mitchell's, that's a long run, man. When they, when they had, it was in, was it 95 or 96? I think it was 96 when they had the extreme day on Billy Mitchell. That's a long run. I mean, your legs were burning halfway down there and I was riding every day, all day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to, it would be cool to see uh, some event like that happen. And uh, I'd, I'd love to see the, the, the popularity of it. it it's, it's really cool. But I think for mainstream snowboarding, it really is about a, you know, a snowboard park and a and a half pipe. I think that's the quickest way to get people on a board up on the hill. You know, I mean, the reality is, is it sells boards. That's the business, right? I mean, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If 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 you got uh, money to buy a board and then have a helicopter to take you up, I mean you'd have to grow up in a place like at a ski resort. You know what I mean? It, it's hard to come from a small resort with a park and, and, and make it into these type of events that they have now, I would say, but not to say that it can't be done. I'm just, I'm just saying that would be a more difficult way to, to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. Rather than, just growing up at a ski resort where it snows a shitload. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and the ski resort that I grew up at, for one, doesn't have many lifts. It didn't have many lifts at the time that I was there. And uh, the terrain is not super crazy steep, you know, and the amount of terrain is uh, has, has doubled, you know, since I was growing up there. So, you know, they opened up a whole other side of the mountain, which is great. Um, that's amazing. Um, but, uh, 
you still got to have the snow. Well, Dan, that does it for all my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, no, not really, man. I'm just, uh, I had a great time there. It was, it was, it was great. I was honored to, to be, you know, to get invited to those events and to, to, to share and, uh, you know, stoke of just riding, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. to, to me, that's what it's all about. It's what it's always been. You can support local grassroots journalism at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. <laughs>